good buddies, Ethan up and Elton Belcher. Now guys, uh, we're here to talk about, yes, another division, but I gotta ask, did you watch Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson? Definitely did. I was able to pick it up, even though the times kind of killed me because I was at work. I mean, I think, believe you guys were also, I think one game was like at three o'clock Eastern. So I know that's like middle of the day for you guys. Uh, Ethan over there said doesn't matter. But yeah, I was definitely able to enjoy um, game one. Everything it was built up to be, I'm like, great, 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 great. Game two, kind of bummed out what happened to Scoop. I understand you kind of take precautions after a collision like that. But, oh, Victor, um, I think uh, pretty sure, what, what do we say? Like five teams for sure are going to tank. But I think someone, I think it was who... More. Who was it who brought up? More. Wait, who was it brought up on the chat that's saying that, like, as teams kind of see maybe injuries or are creeping up? Oh, me. Me. And then, like, I, maybe like, maybe start experimenting with rotations, uh, kind of see, like, let's see what what happens. I think after seeing that, when you have a seven foot four player being able to dribble like that and shoot like that, it's quite enticing. Ethan, I heard, I, I listened to the pod. Uh, I wasn't on it, you know, last one. I couldn't make it, but I, I listened to it, and uh, you you seemed pretty like there was gonna be some competitive balance and other things. Like some shenanigans are gonna happen this year, Ethan. A lot of them. Oh no, I I agree that we got OKC, Utah, Houston, Indiana, and uh, the Spurs. Those teams are all are preliminarily in the shenanigans. And no doubt, as soon as you find out, you will not be making the for sure playoffs or will be having to scrape and claw to think about a play-in spot. Of course, shenanigans will happen. But I was choosing to take an optimist look at the things where I see teams like Charlotte who aren't going to give up early. I look at... Oh, they're not. Exactly. They're, they're going to lose. They're going to be in the lottery. We know this. I'm just saying. those that A team like that, Orlando's trying to build healthy habits. There's a lot of teams that want to start off well and want to put out winning product through at least a section of the year because I think that's like everyone – a lot of teams are looking for that growth mindset versus just absolute whatever bad basketball is. Well, here's the thing. There are some teams that are gonna that will that will just encounter wins along the way. However, there's gonna be situations where, for example, the Detroit Pistons are playing a defense that is switching everything. And while that might be nice for the starting lineup, guess what they're gonna do? When Marvin Bagley comes in, guess who's switching everything? Marvin Bagley, right? When when uh, this player or that player comes in, they, so like scheme wise, it's gonna be in the name of. We are experimenting and trying to, you know, do this, or we're trying to do that. You know what? Let's go ahead and play this super small. We're gonna work on our small ball lineups this year, and and so you're gonna see that all throughout the year, in my opinion. And I think that Charlotte is already a no doubt tanktastic team. Um, that they're 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 in that running as well. So uh, when when I look at it, and, and when you when you saw that first game, Elk, like you said, it, it it lived up and maybe even exceeded. I don't even know if it was possible to exceed the hype, but it did, right? It's one of those things where it's how can you, like, it was appointment television, right? Recording it, like, I'm, I need to watch this. And seeing what both of those guys did on, on, on the floor, like, it's it was it was unreal. 
Um, and I cannot wait until uh, NBA refs can understand that Victor's arms just work in different ways, and it doesn't have to be a goaltending if, if it's not really a goaltending refs. So it's quick, quick calling that on him because Maine's just got long arms. Comes the facts. All right. But I'm, I know uh, we got a, a time crunch here. So today we got a time frame. We, we, yes. Let's go ahead and uh, talk about our next division, the Pacific Division, home of the current NBA champions. But to bring us up, we're going to talk about who was at the top of the Pacific Division last year and who lost to the Dallas Mavericks in an embarrassing Game 7. Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns uh, seems like they pretty much decided to run it back. Bring back, I mean, kind of just keep it fairly the same. Of course, one of their, I, I guess you could say one of their key pieces from their championship finals appearance jay crowder has been very vocal saying like pretty much his time there is done but they've added some they brought back deandre in added some some tlc some josh okogi damian lee frank jackson but i feel like those guys aren't going to be a part of the main rotation but looking at this i feel like once again this is a team that can definitely be able to win a lot of games in the regular season like the way that their team is created i feel like this is a team that's definitely going to win a lot. Now, my worry is, once again, when they get to the playoffs, I think that is, that is once again, the worry. But I feel like if you got like if you got the main guys healthy, I think they can still make a deep playoff run. I think last year they just ran into, I mean, you had the Luka flamethrower, and there wasn't much you can do about that. I mean, that's just sometimes when a player they're going. And then you had Luka and Spencer Dinwiddie, by the way. There's not much, but I am kind of losing hope on this team as far as like being a championship team, you guys. I'm slowly beginning to think that the window might be closing slowly on on this team, but I want to hear how you guys feel about it. That this is just the the rub you get to when you are comparing or you're going further down the road and you get to the Devin Booker a big money contract. You get to the DeAndre Ayton big money contract. And now we're going to be getting to the Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges big money contracts all hitting the books. Like these things are just kind of coming up at the same time. And how much internal growth can you continue to propagate while also adding new pieces that maintain depth with, you know, those rookie scale contracts as you have to pay your starters. You know, this team, I still think will be a regular season monster but like they're the hit, like what what can change their trajectory in the postseason is how well like Cam Johnson can be a defender if he can step that up and continue to be a good shooter. Like they need the guys that they invested some of the smaller, longer term money in, like Landry Shamet. He needs to be a guy who makes forty percent from three and can you know handle a, a little bit of a dribbling load. Dario Sarks coming back and being a contributor at his nine million dollar salary is going to be very helpful. But you lost Jay Crowder, and you Dario Saric as a small ball five made a lot of sense and was going to be a big positive. As a four, I mean, I'm sure he'll still play some small ball five, but as a four, now that Jay Crowder's vacated, some of those power forward minutes, a little less, a little less rosy on his impact. So I like this team, Elkin, Richard as well. This, this, they'll they'll win this division again. I almost no doubt in my mind, but. I am really concerned about do they have enough defensive impact players, especially with Chris Paul aging, to do it in the postseason. Oh, Richard's shaking his head right now. I would like, to, I would like to heartily disagree. 
I'm out on this team. I'm out. Okay. I, like, there's so much working against this team this year compared to last year. Like, we look at that number at, you know, they won 64 games last year. Ooh, they, that, that's a lot. But here's the problem. They were, it, it, like, almost unsustainably good in the clutch last year. 33-9 in 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 the way the NBA uh, designates clutch games. And they, like, you, you, you look at that and say, all right, well, there's probably going to be some, like, we know that they were probably good because guess who was probably hitting a lot of shots? Chris Paul, Devin, Devin Booker, that, that that's fine. But there's probably going to be some regression there, right? So you, you lose a few games off of that. But you also look and, and, like, Chris Paul is now a year older. They were one of the worst teams at getting to the rim last year. Like, so your easy bucket's there. You're, 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 you're not getting. Outside of DeAndre Aiden, I don't know who, who gets there, right? Devin Booker's not getting to the rim, nor is Chris Paul. They're getting to the mid-range, which is fine. They're, they're really good at it. But you're not getting those easy looks at the rim, and you're not getting to the free throw line. So if you're not getting the easy shots, and they also really weren't a three-point team either, you assume putting Cam Johnson into the starting lineup would help. I mean, we're, we're waiting on this, whatever this Jay Crowder trade is going to be. Like, we're waiting for it. I don't know who they bring in. But the West has also improved and gotten better. They are, uh, you know, they were leading this division. But I look at it and say, well, you know what? The Clippers are going to be so deep. And I, I, I view the Clippers as the team that's going to uh, be winning this division. I do have concerns of... Uh, the way that they've handled DeAndre Ayton. Like, yeah, he got his money now, but is he going to be playing for the team or is he going to be looking to just play for himself and trying to get a, get a trade whenever he's available? Like, this is... I, 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 I don't know how much togetherness they have. And then you look at, at the entire second, like, lineup here. Campaign was, like, he had a run a couple years ago. Hasn't really been good since. You know, Landry Shamit, like you, like you mentioned, Ethan, I, I don't, is he going to be able to hit all those shots like he was paid to do? I don't know. Torrey Craig doesn't really bring it on the offensive end. Sarich is fine, but he's really not a four. He's kind of a, like, kind of a five uh, at the, at this point. But that's where you have Bismack Biombo, who looked good because you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But there's no one else on this team that even, like, like I don't really want those guys as my second unit. I have no faith in anyone coming off the bench. So this team is not very deep. Um, if all, like, all it takes is that Chris Paul injury, I know he missed a lot of time last year, but a lot of teams missed a lot of time last year with COVID and, and other injuries and things like that. And I know that that will happen, but this team especially, compared to some of the other ones here, is really ill-equipped with handling an injury to any of their starting line. Like, what if Mikel Bridges gets injured? Now it's a lot of Torrey Craig. I just I'm I'm not confident in this team um, if they're if they're gonna run into uh, uh, any you know any, any any hardship this year. So for me, I don't like this team is I think comfortably a playoff team, not a play-in team, but I think they're more toward the bottom, more toward the sixth end than the, than the one end that they've been uh, the past couple years. No, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's how, that's what I was saying. Like, it feels like their window is closing. That that's where I feel like it's it's kind of it's shutting pretty quick. 
and that's where I feel like it's going to be. And it seems like for all that, and for me, the internal turmoil does matter for something because team chemistry can break down everything you've had. And if that's still going to be an issue, I think that's something to look at. But Rich, I'm going to go ahead and let you let you interject one more point before I move just, on. Just just one more thing. I think like whenever we do over unders, mm-hmm. like we're going to look at the, the Suns over under. It's going to be like 50 or something like that. And we're going to look at it and say, wow, 14 wins. Like that's so much. Like, even if even if there's some regression, you, I this is a team that I think I'm going under on just because like I think there's a lot of things working. Uh, against them, where I think people will look at their their record from last year and say, you know, there's they give a 14 game buffer. Well, I, I just I just think the the context is a little bit different. I I ultimately fall on this on the side of like I just still think that a Chris Paul. I know he's older. I don't think the age hits him in the regular season. I I really think he is the like immovable for like the unmovable force. He just drives and gets the most out of his teams for a regular season. I don't think this team is going to be a good postseason team. I think they have a horrible time matching up with the best teams, especially teams with good wings. So, like, imagine the Suns playing the Clippers in a, a series. That's going horribly for the Suns because it's Mikael Bridges guarding Paul George or Kawhi and the other guy feasting. Not to mention, like, guys like Norm Powell, who are, are smaller than, like, a Devin Booker, but are way more powerful and strong and, like, can really be a strong driver of offense, even from a second unit position. Like, I just think the Chris Paul-Devin Booker combination for regular season success, because they do it so easily. They just really do. They run efficient offense just casually every day they walk out, of, get out of bed. Whereas, like, even a team like the Warriors, who... They're a boom team. Their offense is killing when, when Steph's on top of it, and it kind of it's down to the middle when he's not. I just look at the Suns as being so day in, day out consistent. I know the clutch numbers will say that they you know won more than they should. I think that's the thing. That's the Chris Paul thing. That's what he's done his entire career. This could be the year it drops off. I still just look at this team as regular season dynamo, and they have no matchups for the right people in the postseason. Yeah. Barring a Jake Crowder trade. There we go. Who knows how that there we goes. Go. I think that's what I need to say. I need to see who they bring in with, with, yeah. with that piece. Maybe maybe that calms some of my concerns. Mm-hmm. I just, without it, it's like, ooh, it looks barren there in, in the second unit for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and go on to our championship team, Golden State Warriors. Uh, essentially, bring back all the key, key pieces that they had. Given, when I say key, they did lose Gary Payton the second. According, according to me, the most notable Portland Trailblazer pickup. Just uh, going back to last podcast when I made a horrible come mistake. On, come on, I made a horrible mistake. That's my bad. That's my bad. And then Otto Porter Jr., which as much as I mean, they they provided some valuable minutes. I will say this in their playoff run. Those two definitely did. But you kept your main guys. I mean, you're bringing – honestly, they're new additions. I don't know how you guys – I'm not really like, oh, these new additions are going to be like really like – going to swing stuff either way with Dante DiVincenzo, Michael Green, Ryan Rollins, Ty Jerome. I think one, I almost feel like to me this is an addition. I'm really interested to see the development of James Wiseman. That almost feels like an addition to me after like playing his first season and pretty much second season out. Because if he can develop into the big that can take those loony minutes and become like a better rim roller, understand more spacing, how he's supposed to be on the floor and know that he doesn't have to do too much. I'm very positive about him. Like even honestly, even I know it was a preseason game, but that first preseason game, seeing him there, it's nice to see him with that much activity. 
But of course, we all know if we bring up the Golden State Warriors, we have to talk about the infamous practice that happened recently when one Draymond Green, I think, uh, cracked me up. I think Chris Haynes said forcefully struck uh, Jordan Poole. Great way to put it, but it punched Jordan Poole. I, it, I think yesterday there was a press conference as well. I'm, I'm sure you guys picked up on that or saw like or read some quotes from that press conference. Um, what do you guys make of this? Like, where does this team go as far as a chemistry standpoint? I know we're we pretty much got decisions to make on Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. Like, how do you move forward as a team after? I know fights happen in practices, but I think what's bigger, which hurts the team more, is that footage getting out. Because for me, I think it does make. Yes, it makes Draymond Green look bad, but I think it also makes Jordan Poole look a little bit bad because uh, I know a lot of guys in the NBA are probably going to use that against him when they go when they do a lot of trash talking, the way the NBA works. But what, how do you guys feel like what's the next step for the Warriors regarding this or just one of those like we just got to move on and that's all we can do? Well, I also think it's not even just that like the moment that Jordan Poole gets a contract, we're going back to this moment. The moment that Draymond Green gets gets his extension – we're going back to this moment. Like it's gonna, it's not a thing that's gonna go away. Um, it doesn't really matter. I don't think outside as long as they can figure it out inside. I just think it's gonna be tough. Marcus Thompson from the Athletic wrote, wrote a um, like a really really good article on this and talking about how this really is rock bottom for Draymond Green because of what he's supposed to be for that team. He's supposed to do all this stuff to the other team in support of his own team, and uh, for whatever reason. It, it, he went in and, and attacked a member of uh, of his own team. He's supposed to be the big brother is kind of how that was, and, and, and this was the wrong way to handle this. And, and how can you earn back trust again? And I thought that was big um, for this team, and it really made me think about them going forward. But, you know, I think the more uh, Draymond knows how to kind of reel back from the, this things, it's just does the does the rest of the team buy it? Um, like I think Draymond's going to say all the right things, going to try to do all the right things. It's just, are they going to buy it when 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 it's when it's actually crunch time? Because you look at the rest of this team, and it's like you know I like the Divincenzo uh, pickup. He's not Gary Payton the second, but he's going to be able to I think provide more offensive uh, help fr- from it. And Wiseman, like you mentioned, like him coming in being an addition. Like, I think that's fine. I think that's nice. Um, and I just, the way that he looks in a, in a summer league game or in a, um, you know, preseason game or something, like, if he's not out there with the main guys, then it, I just don't see it as being the role that he's going to have. Like, I need to see him set some screens um, and, and, and be useful in, in those ways. Uh, and, you know, you know the, the young guys are going to have to get minutes, right? Kaminga and Moody. All that's going to happen. But... If we're talking about this team trying to win the championship, what's going to matter is this team working together and, and have, having and building that trust when it really is the time that matters. And so I hope I hope that they can figure all of this stuff uh, out by that point. Draymond Green's a lunatic inside a basketball court. I've never met. I've never seen someone interact with like the greater public at large in a more like under like more intelligent understanding way, but then have this complete alter ego that comes out when there's lines of a basketball court out. Like you, you can't punch people at work. 
That's that's not how this game works. I understand that like it does happen in the sports complex because of all this whole toxic masculinity culture thing that we got going on. But like you can't do that to your coworkers. That's not how it works. And the thing is, it's going to work out okay for Draymond Green because he's still got Clay Thompson and and, and uh, Stephen Curry and Kevon Looney and, and Andre Godal is still on the team this year. Like, there's all kinds of guys who have Draymond's back enough that they can hopefully keep him under control. And in the same sense, Jordan Poole, like, is going to get paid, in my opinion. And if he wants to exit, I know he's restricted, but he'll he'll have an option and he'll you know he'll have a chance to make the warriors bleed if he's upset with him and he'll have a chance to you know be accepting of the money that he gets and come back like i think there's plenty of opportunities to heal from this situation i just i just cannot believe that like the disparity that draymond green shows like how he's such a put together person for like his podcast and like understanding and wanting to change how, you know, basketball players are covered and like diving in deeply to like the ways that the NBA can grow. And then he punches a coworker. Like I, I can't put it together and how this guy makes any sense in my brain. Now, random question. Do you guys think, cause I know Jordan Poole, blah, blah, blah. Do you guys think Draymond would have done this? Would like, let's say a Kevon Looney. Do you think if Kevon Looney was – I know Kevon Looney's probably would never get in his face like that. Do you think, like, sometimes I've – I don't know. Sometimes I think, like, Draymond wouldn't do it to certain people, but for some reason he's like, Jordan Poole's a guy I can get away with doing this. Sometimes I have, like, that mentality where I was like, obviously he would never hit like, – if he were ever to do that to Steph, he'll be – I'm pretty sure he'll be out the team. Like, that'll be it since Steph is like – Like, like Jordan Poole's a talker. Um, that's just what he does, and it's just – it still shouldn't lead to this. Like that's not the ex- the excuse, and and it's uh, so. I mean, he's been known to get into teammates' faces, like like Kevin Durant. Like we had that go on. It didn't lead to blows, but he's not afraid to confront someone. That's also like the the value of Draymond. But the thing is, he's he's like confronting you. I mean, I don't know if if the confronting KD was as valuable to that team as maybe you know. Because Kevin Durant obviously left, but like someone who can hold your team accountable, but that's not what this was. So I, I don't know. Um, overall though, like this team is going to be there. I'm uh, going to have a word at the end. Um, and I, like we mentioned at the top, like, hey, this this is the defending champion, and but this division is just really deep. As as much slander as I had for the for, for the Suns, guess what? Even if they're the third team, like it's a really good third team in the division. Um, uh, and, and so, I mean, the only thing that I, yeah, I'm really concerned about, and I'm not really concerned, but I, I wonder if like the regular season numbers again, don't look that, don't look that great just because Moses Moody's getting a lot of minutes. Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman are getting a lot of minutes. They're, they're the ones who are in your second unit and, um, they're just going to get a lot of. Run with young guys, little mistakes are going to be made, especially in a Warriors offense and defense that are, I don't know, well, more so the offense that are just different and more complex than than other NBA offenses, I'd say. Yeah, I mean that that's definitely fair, and and I kind of just, I think this team can just like how they did last season. I think they're more than capable of doing a deep playoff run. Like if this team ends up coming out of the West again, it's a team that I wouldn't be surprised with. 
Like, it's not something that's like, oh, where did the Warriors come from again this season? No, I mean, they still have a lot of the same firepower. And I'm, I'm also interested to see with Clay Thompson having another season under his belt because it's really hard to come back after not playing for two straight seasons. That's really hard to find your groove. And I think I think Clay Thompson's going to be even better. I mean, we love what we've seen from Andrew Wiggins. I think this is what, for a number one pick like Andrew Wiggins, I think this he landed in the perfect spot where he's not the main guy. He just needs to do like a lot of role player stuff. And he's found his niche. He's definitely like, defense has definitely like, been one of his key things, which I think a lot of people saw, like he has the physical tools to be a good defender. And he's showing that, hey, I have these tools. And I think this team's going to be fun. And with the development of your guys, Moody, Kaminga, those young guys, and Wiseman, if those guys can develop in the way that the Warriors want them to, oh, this team is going to be looking scary. Let's go ahead and get to the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to um, spoil the lead here, uh, fellas. Uh, I this 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 is this is the team out west that I think is gonna is gonna make it. I think this this team regular season wise is going to just be a complete monster, and they're who I have going to at the moment at least going to represent the the, the Western Conference just because like this is the this is the deepest team that's out there. Uh, you're you know you got Reggie Jackson or John Wall kind of whoever. Kind of fits better, I think, with the rest of this lineup. But you got your Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Even if they are, like, as long as they're not missing, like, long extended 30-game chunks. Like, I don't expect either of these guys to play, you know, 80 games, 70 games. But if they're both playing, like, 60 games by the end of the season, like, this team is going to be right there. And, uh... Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, you've got one of those guys, I think, at the four. Or Batum, you can throw him there, too. The only, you know, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard is your... Uh, Luke Kennard and Terrence Mann are your, like, uh, fourth or fifth, um, I guess, fifth guards in, or forwards on this team. Like, that's a deep team. The only area that they are especially weak are at the backup center position. But guess, guess what? You can find those guys. I'm sure Detroit is going to be... Just looking to get off of Nerland's Noel when the time comes. And if you want to throw, you know, a couple seconds their way, they're probably going to take it. Um, and so, like, you're going to be able to, uh, I think, you're going to be able um, to have just a complete deep team. And as long as you're not missing both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for an extended run, like, this is a team that's going to be right there all season long. Uh, gonna be able to withstand, you know, a whole lot. So I, I love it. I love this team. Um, what do you guys got? You t- you talk about adding a center like Nerlens Noel, and you, you know, you actually that's really pointed that he very well could be available um, for who knows what kind of price. Maybe not much at all. Even theoretically, maybe a Jason Preston or Brandon Boston, like some of these young players that don't have enough space for burn on this championship level team. But the thing I think about. Uh, Richard is like this team might not need a center with Robert Covington. He's a really good help defender, not so great one on one anymore. Really good help defender. You could play a, a, a lineup like him, Batum, Leonard, George, and Powell. You have three guys who are pretty good point of attack defenders, and then you have like be that being Leonard, George, and Powell, and then you have Batum and Covington as your long, like lanky 
help defenders. Like it's unconventional in terms of like not the traditional way of having someone really big come over from the weak side. But those are guys with some length. Marquise Morris or Marcus Morris would would fit in this description as well. Like they can they can put together some rim protection without the traditional center, which is a super valuable thing to have. Um, even if you add a guy like Nerlens Noel to still be able to like, have him run out and do all the switching things that he's semi capable of doing and still having a Robert Covington on that baseline, like kind of like hovering around the dunker spot to come over like this team has a lot of defensive versatility. And when I look at their top, you know, 10 or, or 12 players, it's literally Zubak and Kennard are the only guys I have like, ooh, I'm really not sure if they have it at all defensively. Like Jackson and John Wall, you can make the argument for, but like, I, I, I still trust John Wall. Like if, if he ever has want to in his life again, like I think he's got something. Jackson, a little undersized, a little different, but they got a lot of guys all the way down the roster that can come out, defend, and then catch and shoot special team this this they really could be yeah i mean if everyone stays healthy there's going to watch out for it but guys maybe this is me thinking about clippers sometimes it's something about the clippers i just i don't trust about them like in the end they could have all the pieces but i'm like the clippers are going to clip and something's going to happen i mean i am interested though to see what type of Kawhi Leonard we're getting coming back because I think, like, if we're getting that Kawhi Leonard that they signed from the Raptors, very optimistic. If we can get the Paul George who helped them beat the Jazz in the playoffs in 2021, I love it. And it's going to be very, very hard. And they've honestly constructed their team for a playoff run because you have the capability to go a little bit bigger if you need to, but also capability to spread it out and be like, hey, we want our two main guys to have as much space on the floor to do work because we know Paul George and Kawhi just love to operate in the mid-range especially like I know Kawhi loves to be at that free throw line kind of just like or wing wing post and just like do his thing so if they keep spreading it out and their shooters are hitting it's going to be really hard to stop him and if you have Paul George and Kawhi and they're you don't need defensive peak but if you have them like high defense on on the wing like their defense on the wing is going to be hard to get around and the last time this team was was actually healthy right you mentioned back in 2021 um they were like ridiculous from three. They were like one of the best shooting three point teams. And you look at it it's like, yeah, I, I, like, I've been a noted John Wall um, disbeliever for a little while. Like I remember way back when he was when he was healthy and like right before his injuries started like really taking him down in Washington. Um, out of the three of us, I think I was the the most like hesitant with John Wall. Um, but he's never had space like this to operate. He's never had, like, you, you, you imagine him out there with, uh, you know, Luke Kennard, Norm Powell, Covington, Batum. Like, that, your space on the floor, like, he's going to be able to get to the rim at will. And so I, I just think that the, the situation they have outside of Moses Brown, and I'm not, Moses Brown's not seen the floor come playoff time, and, I, and I'm not really concerned about, um, like even this their center position come playoff time because they have the ability to go small like you mentioned Ethan it's but like during the regular season like if Zubak were to get an ankle I don't trust Moses Brown that much um and yeah you could go and decide to play small but you're going to be able to play big and so that's just the one thing I don't know if you have the matching salary to uh to to do that like to go get a New Orleans, like we I mentioned Nerlens Noel but like 
like his his contract is is too much for like Moses Brown, Coffee, and Brandon Boston. Like Luke Kennard is probably the cap casualty there. Um, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he's not on if Luke Kennard's not on the team by the end of the year if they make a trade um, to shore up something. But you know, they may not need to. You know, this team is in great in a in a, in a great spot, and uh, they're my favorite out of this division. And that's fair because they are very talented top to bottom defensively and every otherwise. Just really good. And let's look at their crosstown rival who is does not have a well-constructed team. Does does not have top to bottom. I mean, you could argue that they do have I, – I can't even – would you guys say that – that we're talking about the Lakers at this point. The Lakers still have the best player out of the two teams as far as LeBron James being better than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. L- 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 let's say that. Let's say that. But then, then, but then, let's just say you get past like even a healthy Anthony Davis. I can't put him past a healthy Kawhi Leonard. I can't do that. But then, even then, like if you look at like from then on, let's just say we get past the two best players of both teams. We're talking about like we're probably picking several Clippers, and like let's just say like the next like ten players are probably gonna be more Clippers, definitely more Clippers than Lakers. Yeah, I'm picking the next ten Clippers. That's yeah, ridiculous. And like, and we're looking at so the Lake the Lakers. They essentially almost did like the opposite of the Clippers, where the Clippers barely did much much tweaking to their roster. The Lakers are like, hey, we're just gonna bring in new players, but let's lose some of our, our some of the guys who contributed. Let's go ahead and lose that. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, I'll tell you this. He was actually a pretty decent bench player for them. Like he wasn't providing much defense, but like shooting, great. I love the Malik Monk addition. Loved it for them. Great. I love that they traded away THT. Love it. But then I'm looking at these additions, you guys. Like, help help me make sense of this. Like, yeah, Damon Jones, Thomas Bryant, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Troy Brown Jr., Patrick Beff, Dennis Schroeder, Lonnie Walker. You even got some Dwayne Bacon in there. I mean, we got cold. Is it cold Swi- Swider or Switter? I don't know. say cold Swider. But I'm not even going to get any burn. Doesn't matter, though. Yeah, but Max, Max Christian and then Kendrick Nunn might as well be a new addition because he didn't even play last season. He just – and, like, I'm looking at this team. I mean – the potential starting lineup that's been rumored having Damian Jones playing with them and like Austin Reeves, like let me see, they won 33 games last year. There's a team I would hardly be surprised if we're if we're in the 30s again this year, like around 33 games. Like, which sucks. Like, I I do want LeBron to at least have a legitimate team, and LeBron probably do his thing. And Anthony Davis, who knows how healthy he's gonna be? I mean, when he's healthy, healthy, he does his thing. But you guys, I have no faith in this team right now. It's going to require a uniquely, wildly, unpredictably great shooting season for everyone that's not LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And those guys are going to have to shoot well, too. But, like, everyone that's on this team is going to have to have their career year from three-point land, like, all those kinds of things for this team to really have success. Like, Lonnie Walker is going to have to um, live upon the, you know, I would say good-looking form that he has and actually have it go in this year. Dennis Schroeder's going to have to have his a good shooting season so he can crack the rotation. Russell Westbrook's going to have to either shoot well for the first time in his life or be traded for someone who can, which I'm hoping for the, the latter there. Like Troy Brown Jr., he's mediocre shooter, mediocre defender. He's going to have to be an actual 3-and-D guy. Like All these guys are going to have to play their best seasons alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis for these guys to be a – 
46 win team. Do we think that's possible? I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at it like a 500 team. Like that's where I'm at. It's just, it's frustrating for me because two years ago, you had a team that was constructed, I would say, fairly balanced. That championship team, I think, was a fairly balanced team for what you needed. You had defenders and three-point shooters around LeBron, which is like literally what you need to put around him. And then you had another player who can carry the offense when they needed to and who was also a great defender. And I just kind of feel like, how in the world does Rob Plinka get an extension? Because if I'm looking at it like from around the league, like I don't feel like he's done a good job of constructing this team. Like, I feel like even the, like, if he would have never done the Russell Westbrook trade, I bet you we would feel a lot better about this team. I bet you all of us would be looking at it. We would probably feel a lot better. They probably could have brought in some other pieces, kept some other valuable assets. And as we're looking at it, like, till this day, that trade does not make sense to me. And I don't get why they keep, why are they extending this guy? And it's frustrating. There's not been a more slandered, um, executive on this podcast more than him uh over the past few years basically since since he's been running things like even when they won the championship i didn't like some of the moves that they made and it really took some people shooting above their heads uh in that in, in the playoff like there were some things i liked like okay you know danny green's nice um kcp we'll see if he can't you know get together and he shot very well um it took anthony davis shooting well above his head, Rajon Rondo especially, hitting some shots that he, you know, doesn't or hadn't up to that point, hadn't really made. And it's, you, you look at it and he's done such a bad job, especially the past couple of years, like you said, since that moment where the Russell Westbrook trade has been made. Like, you look at basically every decision from that point has been a bad one. Like, you you were able to, you, you signed Halen Horton Tucker rather than Caruso. You went out and you, great, you, you signed Malik Monk. That was great, except you signed him for a one year on the minimum. And if he plays well, you can't give him a contract because he's going to, he's going to, like, as you can see, he's going to be in Sacramento now because the Lakers literally could not pay him what Sacramento could. And so even when you have, are succeeding, like, even let's say Lonnie Walker plays well, you're still making the same issue. You're having the same mistake, even if he plays up to like uh, you know the mid level, mini mid level that you that you paid him. Well, he's gonna get someone else is gonna have more money to sign him next year. So you're not able to any to build any sort of success or have sustained success. I I look at this team though, and I think it can't be worse than last year. Like it can't be. Um, like Anthony Davis was shot last year from, from the beginning, like he was injured, uh, from the get go. And if he's injured again this year, well then, okay, you're, you're kind of back where you were, but Patrick Beverly is at least an adult in the room, uh, and, and can play offense and defense, at least for what this team needs. Like he he's been able to shoot the ball off ball. Like he's, he's a good fit next to LeBron James, you know, Austin Reeves has looked, uh, you know, has, has I think looked pretty good for the role that he's going to that I would hope that he has there. Kendrick Nunn having him back, better than not having Kendrick Nunn last year, right? Dennis Schroeder, okay, at least he's now you're, you know, we're, we're getting down the line enough that hopefully it won't matter. But there's other than Carell Anthony, Stanley Johnson, Malik Monk, and Taylor Horn Tucker, the people who 
are off this team that were on last year are just I mean, Carmelo Anthony is not even on a team right now. Like they don't those people are not NBA players anymore. So the hope is that this team can can be improved. I do think this is a 500 team, like give or take, unless you make the unless you're willing as we've as we've talked about and as has been discussed uh, excessively, if the Russ plus all the picks that you're able to for, you know, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, if you can make that, now we're talking. Now we're cooking. Um, we're still probably having some issues where you don't have the bench depth that you'd like, but at least you're, I think, you're in business at that point in time. Because this team has too many point guard-sized people right now. Like It, it doesn't, it's... It's really imbalanced, um, but if you make that move, now you're dealing. I was going to ask you: Did you would you guys do if you were the GM of the Lakers and the Patriots was like, hey, hundred percent, throw in those two firsts, we'll we'll pull the trigger on this. Two firsts and the pick swap in the middle. Let's do it. Let's do it. Ethan, how you, how how do you feel y- about yes. it? Yes, <laughs> yes. Russell Westbrook is the problem with this team. They you made a consult. When you make a consolidation trade, you have to get a good basketball player back. They, they, they. Rob Polinka missed that point in the uh, presentation of how to be a GM. Apparently, he traded three competent players, not good players. Like Montrez Harrell was not good. Kuzma was. Uh, KCP obviously was. Um, so he played three rotation NBA players for one guy who sucks the entire offense out and makes it his own team and is not good enough to do that and. It just was. It never made sense. Again, I thought it would work better than it did because I thought Russell Westbrook would at least be able to carry his own weight when he had the court to himself, and he couldn't do that. So the one positive I saw in that transaction for like regular season success didn't even work. He he, he he shot so underneath, like like his shooting at the rim was very very poor last year, and that's where you need him to actually you know. To be good. Um, and, yeah, like, everything you're saying, like, if if we're just going to waste the last prime years of, of LeBron James, then what are we even doing? Just, like, you're the Los Angeles Lakers, and people should want to come and play for you for you to not be inept when those draft picks are being made. So, like, I know that you don't want to give up, but, like, you're a different team. Like, if, if this was... Uh, some other like if this was the like the Minnesota Timberwolves were willing to to sacrifice you know Minnesota willing to sacrifice their future um, uh, picks in order to you know just have some semblance of winning you're the Los Angeles Lakers like be willing to to invest in 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 LeBron in LeBron James at, at this point in time otherwise what is the point of being the Los Angeles Lakers the, the Timberwolves are willing to do it with no proof of concept that it works. We've never yeah. seen Rudy Gobert next to a superhuman offensive big man. We've never seen Carl Anthony Towns play a lick of defense that was worth his weight in anything. Like, it's just nothing. Uh, like, with the Lakers, you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. There is a proof of concept that those two guys can make a lot of interesting things work on a basketball court. And you're telling me you're going to add a, a, th- a three-point shooting center who shoots like, pro- like I mean, in the last five years, uh, 36 to 37 percent from three, and protects the rim incredibly well. You don't have to worry about rebounding because you have LeBron and Anthony Davis to help him with Miles Turner. And then you're going to add a guy who shoots 40 
50% from three for his career, there's a proof of concept that that works. Yeah. Do it. Lincoln, please. All right. We better, we better move on to the Kings before. One last thing. Okay. The, I want One last thing, though. The Lakers are so silly that even when they have a proof of concept, they got Stanley Johnson to be a quality NBA player for the back half of the season, and they threw him in for no reason on a Taylor Horton Tucker tr- dump. That's how bad the Lakers are. They even found a, they found a diamond in the rough. Stanley Johnson, he was working out for them. He's a great little LeBron James substitute when LeBron's not playing. Just throw a guy out there who's going to hold the defense together a little bit better. And they said, you know what? <sighs> Here he is. Take him with our Taylor Horton Tucker, our beautiful prize trade asset for Patrick Beverly, an aging catch-and-shoot 3-and-D guard. Like, yeah, even when you find something, you throw it away for no reason. Utah had no – like, there's no way Utah really cared or wanted, like, Stanley Johnson. And so it, it's literally just a, we're a mom-and-pop shop. We're poor. Los Angeles Lakers. We don't want to spend the money. Disgusting. It's a Palinka magic at its finest. All right, all right, all right. So let's go to the final team in the That's Pacific. That's who we should manage is the magic. <laughs> we got Sacramento Kings, 13-52. Apparently there's a team worse than the Lakers in this division. They uh, – they brought in, got some Kevin Herter in there, Malik Monk. Kind of like how they brought in that two-guard position. I love how they reinforced it. I like those two guys for them. Keegan Murray. I know it's just summer league, but I like from what I saw from him as your, as your four. I was like, all right, we, all right, we're cooking with oil right now. We're making things happen. And then they brought in, like, on the back end of the rotation, they got guys like Quinn Cook, Matthew Dova, They got Baysmore. And guys that I'm going to tell the truth, some of these other guys I have not really heard much about. So I'm like, they're going to be bottom of rotation guys. But there's a team that's probably going to gonna try to go for the playoffs. Go all in. But I feel like, once again, you know, I think they might have a chance to get the 10th seed. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to be completely out. I think this team has a chance to at least touch the 10th seed. I'm going to go with them. I'm going to be positive this year for them. I, I look at the Kings as having contributing players again i don't think that they're good but they're in a spot where if you look at their the 10 guys who are we have scheduled to play in the rotation all those guys belong in the nba other than maybe terrence davis because of his off the court um problems um but skill wise everyone that's in their 10-man rotation is an nba player and you know we have two guys maybe yeah two guys who are have been all-stars or are close to being all-stars and De'Aaron fox i don't think he's made the team yet so, with that being said, two all two all star ish players, a rookie that can shoot, Harrison Barnes, competent. Can they win? Can they close games? That's I think my question. I mean, the, the big question for me is like, like I, I'm convinced this offense has enough to be good. Like you've got you got a lot of good offensive players, but the defensive end is just gonna be just a, it seems like it's gonna be a train wreck. Um, if Mike Brown can somehow get this defense to being just bad, just just bad, like now we're talking. Now 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 we can sniff the ten seed. But I, I look at it and it's like, well, De'Aaron Fox, like I I wish he would like I thought he would be able to play defense. Just he's so quick, but you know sometimes that just doesn't translate to the defensive end. Kevin Herter and Malik Monk have not been known to defend people. Um, uh, just it hasn't. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Harrison Barnes, while nice, uh, if you got to have him defend threes, I'm a little more concerned. Um, 
And, you know, he really wasn't defending that well last year, but that was a bad team. And maybe sometimes it's hard to, you know, get up for those defensive assignments uh, when you're as bad as you are uh, in previous years. Keegan Murray, again, fine, but I don't really see a three defender on this team. I see a, lot, I see a couple of four defenders. And then Sabonis, we, we kind of know, even if you're in the right position, like defense with Sabonis as your primary defender is a tough ask. So other than Davion Mitchell, really don't see the, uh, you know, individual defenders on this team. You just hope that Mike Brown can, can make, you know, let, let's, let's hit our rotations. Let's be in the right spot and let's not have it be a complete train wreck. And if you can do that, all right, maybe we can get at the 10 seed if the wheels fall off of some other teams. I, I think if De'Aaron Foss can be a, a good enough engine of offense, like let's say with, with Sabonis not on the court, obviously we know Sabonis can really kind of hold his own offensively with his passing ability to punish smaller defenders. I think there's a, a like maybe it's not a second unit lineup because it's going to have three starters in. I think there's a De'Aaron Fox, Mitchell, Barnes, Murray, and I think like going deep because Ch- Chesney Matu showed some some stuff in the end of last year. I think that is a lineup that can play a second unit that can still if, if Fox can be the leader of the offense there, I like that lineup to be able to stop some people and like play at a net at a, at a neutral. And that's with three starters and two bench guys. Metu and Akpala further down the rotationary ch- rotation chart are a, t- a couple guys that I trust defensively a little bit that if their offense game comes out together at all, I think that's where they might be able to find some, some playing time as, as well as like a defensive lineup uh, for Mike Brown. I, and Terrence Davis, I think, can can guard a little bit. I'm not super high on him, but again, Mike Brown. This will this will be a good test of his some of his defensive philosophies. If he can put some together here, um, you know, congratulations, you, you did it because no one thought you could. Yeah, they're they're just gonna need to figure that out if they can. I mean, I'll tell you, Kings games are gonna be fun, very high scoring uh, affairs. As as I'll I will say about that, but. Fellas, I think we've think we've made it. Um, we've got one more one more division uh, to get to get to. We'll talk about some of our predictions in the upcoming weeks as we uh, get closer and closer to the end of the month and closer and closer to the start of the NBA season. I'm ready for it. 